You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketing director for Studio 420. Today, our guest is Nikki Lawley, a traumatic brain injury survivor who found a mobile app that helped her self-medicate with cannabis and ultimately stop using prescription drugs. The app is StrainPrint, a free medical cannabis journal available to patients across Canada and the U.S. StrainPrint has evolved to become the largest real-world evidence study and now gathers data across Canada, the United States, Australia, and Israel. StrainPrint users journal their use of lab-verified cannabis products and learn which products provide the highest efficacy. This data is combined and analyzed with anonymous app user data to learn how cannabis impacts specific conditions and symptoms with people with similar health issues. Because of this success, Nikki partnered with Strain Print to bring a Nikki in the Plant branded version of the app to the New York medical cannabis market. The data collected is generated by patients to help other patients. It is the analysis of this anonymized data that is going to unlock new therapies and improve the human condition. StrainPrint has already published nine peer-reviewed articles in well-regarded academic and medical journals and hopes to do more. Nikki hopes the journaling app will advance clinical research of cannabis to assist those with traumatic brain injuries. Let's meet Nikki. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I guess let's start it out uh, with, uh, we know that you did suffer from a brain injury after a, a child head butted you while you were practicing as a pediatric nurse. So on 10-11-2016, I was working as a pediatric nurse, just like any other day, and a child became combative for a vaccine. Nothing new in a pediatric office. But I was called in to assist my coworker and help restrain the child so that she didn't get injured with a needle. <laughs> um, and I became completely off, caught off guard. I uh, was behind the child and he tucked his chin and threw his head back into my head. And then I bounced into a wall and back into his head. The physician next door came running over and said, what was that noise? And it was my head hitting the wall. And he, <clears throat> and he just said, are you okay, Nikki? Um, that was a pretty hard hit. And I said, I don't feel that great, but we had a focus and that was to give this child his vaccine. It changed my life forever. Uh, that day, everything changed. Um, my symptoms happened pretty much immediately. I had left arm numbness, tingling, very much weakness, and it felt like my arm was sort of asleep. So I was actually more concerned at that time about my arm than I was my head, um, even though my head is what took the whole brunt of the force. And But I never expected to have lasting effect. But I, again, they sent me to urgent care, the physician, right away. Um, I got sick after my dinner break. And he said, you've definitely got a concussion. Your eye doesn't look right. And, you know, so I went to urgent care and they basically said, go home and rest. And here's a note off of work for three days. And I honestly thought that I would be back to work just like I always had been. 
And uh, after three days, it became apparent this wasn't going away really quick. So I ended up um, seeing different doctors and my primary care provider ordered multiple uh, scans of my neck and my head. And uh, there was nothing evident on these scans. There was nothing that said brain bleed or, you know, kind of effects. And I had this headache that from that moment forward, it never went away. And when I say a headache, I mean, at the base of my skull and behind my eyes, just pulsating and pounding. And so after three days, I was literally like, I can't go back to work. I mean, not like this. I mean, not right away. And and naturally, it was leaving my office short-staffed, and I felt horrible about that as well. And the doctors that I was seeing, I then get an appointment with a neurologist, and then I got an appointment with a um, neurosurgeon, and then I got an appointment with all different specialists, and everyone just said, well, you should be over that by now. You know, it's been a week or two weeks or three weeks, and you shouldn't still be having headaches. And I'm like, well, I do. Um, and then it was kind of written off as, oh, it must just be anxiety and depression manifesting in the form of a headache. And I said, I didn't have anxiety and depression before this. And I didn't have a headache like ever. I mean, I got a headache when I got sick once in a while. I mean, it was never something that consumed my entire life. And so um, the frustration was beginning to mount because people couldn't see it. It was truly an invisible illness or injury. And uh, it became very frustrating. And I was put on a host of different cocktails of medication. Um, the biggest symptom was the chronic pain and the head and the neck pain. And then the brain fog, the memory loss, the um, inability to find words, the inability to do anything like filling out a doctor new patient form caused a complete meltdown. And I was a nurse. So, I mean, we filled out forms for a living. Um, I couldn't remember the most simple of things such as how to count change at a grocery store. Um, I went shopping and I literally started burst out into tears because I couldn't count out 68 cents. Uh, my family visited for Christmas and I'm a former casino dealer. And so everyone's like, oh, let's have the dealer deal a game of rummy. And so I couldn't count out seven cards and five piles. I couldn't do it under any circumstance. And it just, at that point, I knew this is not in my head. This is not normal. Really desperately was trying to find answers. That was becoming a shell of the human I was. I mean, I literally spent every day, every night, sobbing in a corner, crying, unable to function, like at all. Um, Self-care became a complete option. Um, I was unable to just remember to brush my teeth. I was unable to, you know, I thought that I had taken a shower and I hadn't taken one for a few days. You know, just little things like that that you just take for granted. And you can't imagine that was me four years ago. That's and it really was. Um, and I lost all hope of life, you know? I mean, the cocktails of drugs they gave me were more horrific than anything. Um, and for every side effect I had from one of the drugs they gave me, I then became even worse um, symptom-wise. Uh, I would have anaphylactic allergy reactions to several of these drugs and no one could explain it. So that was the day my life changed forever was 10, 11, 16. I'd be crying in the corner too. I mean, 
It's it, you're losing. It's almost like losing your mind. Everything is never going to be back in order the way it was pre-injury. But I can say that cannabis has allowed me to function and it has allowed me to live instead of just being alive in a body. I was able to think of other things besides just the pain, besides just the hopelessness that I felt. Um, I felt so hopeless that I really didn't think I was going to make it. Um, nothing was improving my condition. And I just was feeling that hopelessness again. And so then um, I had friends in Canada and they said, hey, we've got pot over here. Why don't you come over here and see if we can, you know, make you feel better at least. And you can stay with us and, you know, I'll get my medical marijuana card here in Canada and we'll try and help you. So that's what I did. Um, in 2018, I became a, literally a medical cannabis refugee in Canada. I learned so much about the plant over there and I learned how to understand what works and why. Um, having an application, they had an application there that was a journaling app. So you could document your experience and you could you know, evaluate your symptoms and put them in this application. And then what was super cool is they had all the certificates of analysis or the recipe of what was in the pot. And um, then you could document your experience and then see what worked you know, for your pain, what worked for your anxiety and depression, what worked for your brain fog and cognitive function. And that was so helpful. And once I started learning about that, then coming back to New York, I was just as hopeless, but I had hope because I knew a week later or two weeks later, I'd be back in Canada and I could feel better again. So it became this vicious cycle up until COVID hit. And then once COVID hit in 2020, uh, my life pretty much became unbearable again because my medicine that I had like become reliant upon every two weeks or every other week was literally taken away. I couldn't go to Canada. I couldn't access my medicine. I couldn't bring the cannabis home from Canada to the US. So I always had to consume it there but my quality of life improved so much. I mean, my husband called while I was there one day and he said, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean what's wrong with me? And he said, you sound normal. Um, like you sound completely normal. I said, well, I am playing Scrabble and I can do the like adding of the letters. Yeah, this must be the pot. And so then learning that, it was such an aha moment. But then again, I would come home and didn't have access. What do I do now? So then luckily around that time, New York state said we're legal and people can gift up to three ounces of cannabis. All of the underground markets started coming above ground. And so we had all these pop-up events and all these different things. And it was so cool to be able to smell different cultivars and see what was gonna work. And, but I had no test results. So I didn't know what was going to work potentially ahead of time. You just had to buy it. So as a result, I mean, I had like, at one point, probably 75 different strains of cannabis, small amounts, like little amounts, but that didn't work. You know, there was a lot of products that didn't work. So it's always been trial and error. There's like no roadmap for one size fits all for all traumatic brain injury survivors or all symptoms. So you're saying still back then and still that the edibles didn't really help you. It was the smoke smokeable that really made a difference. So I have no gallbladder and I had weight loss surgery. 
CBD, THC, all the components of the cannabis plant need fat to metabolize. By not having a gallbladder and having weight loss surgery where my intestines bypass certain things, I don't absorb fat-soluble things. So that's why the edibles didn't work. That's why the oils and the tinctures didn't really have any effect whatsoever. The only thing I've found effective has been um, flash melt technology, like the Listerine strips. They have those um, mm. in California. They're called kin sips. And you literally yeah, just go them. under your tongue and that will give me brief um, relief. And But honestly, smoking, combusting, whole flour is what works for me. You know, um, I'm a pre-roll expert at this point. I seek out the pre-rolls. I seek out what the terpenes are. I seek out, you know, the specific cannabinoids that I know are helpful for me personally. But we all have unique systems. So what works for me might not work for you. That's true, right. Our receptors in the brain are very... Um, very dominant there are cb1 and cb2s um but that you know the whole endocannabinoid deficiency and there's like real evidence based um and again all the testing is usually not done on people smoking it so i think there's a real miss disservice if you will that smoking isn't medicine pam i don't get high i get medicated i get well I'm really excited about the future of cannabinoid medicine, endocannabinoid deficiency, how that can help or how it can help, you know, symptoms like you're suffering from. Well, actually, the question I was going to ask you, are you part of any um, studies uh, with your brain injury and can cannabis? So um, there aren't any in my area, but I've read up on many of them and i'm actually hoping to potentially launch one um can you tell me a little bit about that sure so strain print is an app out of canada that has all of the back end data already filled in like the minor cannabinoids the major cannabinoids as well as terpene profiles and basically you chart what you're using but all that information is already in there like trying to type in 500 different components of a product is nobody's favorite thing to do, but they've already done that in Canada. So I'm trying to get New York state to actually do that for New York state. And I talked to the pharmacist who knows the um, health and safety coordinator for the office of cannabis management. And so this is really health and safety related. And so if the companies were forced to produce the COAs, we're in a beautiful position. So then I can have my app even more powerful, empowered, because now we have that backend information. So it'll be just as worthwhile as Canvas. So that's a huge step. Um, and the more companies I get on board with that, the more beneficial the app will be for patients. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'm sorry, are they tr also tracking people's response to these different things? Yes. That's, yes. that's the purpose. So that uh, so we, that we have more like clinical data confirmed. Yes, subjective data, basically from, they have 2 million data points already in Canada. So this is X number of patients and with all varying symptoms and they have documented, okay, what's your pain level now? And then after they 
do a pop-up and 20 minutes later it says, now what's your pain level? And then, you know, simple coding, like one to 10 scale kind of thing. And then you just document it. And then they can give you a summary of all the cannabis you consumed and seeing what really helped with your pain, what really helped with your anxiety and depression, what helped with your brain fog. And then if you're new and you don't know, then they have that data from other consumers, not with names and stuff, but AI. Oh yeah. Of the 50 people that use this for anxiety and depression, 44 of them improved their anxiety by 25% by using this cultivar. So it really gives you that whole picture, which is what we need. You know, we need to remove data data is key. And the more data we have and the more um, people we can get to participate with this app, the better it'll be. It hasn't been launched yet. Fantastic. It will be, but like we can release it in the future for sure. Um, Why does it, does it have to just be New York based? Can it be country? No, it can be anywhere. It can be uh, state by state, but you have to understand getting that data from each state and each products in all their dispensaries, it's a pretty monumental task. So while the app can be journaled and you can say that, you know, you're using Fruity Pebbles, the Fruity Pebbles that you get in New York is going to be different than the Fruity Pebbles you get in Colorado is going to be different than what you get in Nevada. So you'll have the name commonality, but that really isn't going to be enough to really help you identify what works for you. Like, so all, all the brands have to submit to the app, right? Their yes. COAs and all this so that they have that and they can. Yes, 100%, 100%. Or, or unless it's available publicly, like um, certain states have that data readily available under the Freedom of Information Act, but a lot of them don't. So there's definitely more that don't than do. Um, but because of Canada being nationwide legalization over there, they have access to that and the licensed producers then would pay strain print to actually host that data. So then in turn, they would then see what products worked for what, so that that would help them on their marketing efforts and the behind the scenes so that they knew what would help patients basically. Sure. And, and I mean, you could really just launch it nationwide state by state. And then once the state opens up in the back end, you have all that data Right. Now it's crossing borders once everybody's shipping across right. borders and stuff like that. Great idea. Is, is that something that you're working with, with a strain print or is this something? Yeah. That, so it's going no, to be- strain print is going to, they're white labeling the app for me. So it's going to be Nikki and the plant powered by strain print. Gotcha. Great. Great. So idea. They'll just put my code plant. I'm using plant as the code you enter. And, uh, then that data set will basically be mine. It will be merged with their data set, but Ultimately, I'm targeting the chronic pains, the brain fogs, and the anxiety and depression people, because that's how I'm formulating products to treat those specific symptoms. Okay, wow, that's a great idea. Is there anyone in the United States doing that now, do you know? There are apps out there. There are cannabis journaling apps out there. Relief is one, R-E-L-E-A-F. And then there's also Tetragram. I talked to him as well. Tetragram they're, he's based out of Annapolis, Maryland. I support Tetragram fully. There's plenty of space for all of us, but I think strain print was the better ride to hitch personally. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and <laughs> because also, then, like, like you said, if you're, you're niching down into the uh, 
specific areas that you want to cover that just makes it room for more people also right but what's cool is it's going to be a, a i guess the foundation of doing something bigger and greater and that's where research can really benefit from the subjective patient view like we need to talk to the people actually using the medicine because at the end of the day we're really the experts we're the ones that say it works or doesn't and so all these petri science theories or you know hypotheses we can't really evaluate without that patient feedback and so I think a lot of companies are missing out on that. It's not about high THC. It's not about just one component of the plant. It's the entire entourage. And for me, specific terpenes work really well that help my brain fog, um, like limonene and pinene. So if you think of limonene like lemons, if you think of pinene like pine needles, it's really hard to have like a lemon squirted in your face and be like sleepy or not alert. So when we can put it into perspective about what is what, and it actually has medicinal benefits. Once I learned that terpenes were basically essential oils, lights just kind of went on for me. That analogy was never really presented early on. And so once I figured that out, then I could understand mm -hmm. why this is working so well and why this is working and why this might not. But I think it's just that information is gonna be so helpful and useful to move the industry forward because once um, medical professionals and doctors who are kind of on the fence of cannabis as a medicine or you know they're even they're even cannabis doctors this is this is information that will inspire them to want to research it more push it more get you know get more money for clinical trials and that's exactly what we need so i think this is kind of the root of getting that information to them will really push it forward. And it's, it's what we need for, um, you know, cannabinoid specific focused formulated products to treat specific symptoms. I'm really excited because strain print has been part of my journey for the last three and a half years, basically, since I found cannabis in Canada. And that's where I started. It became sort of my roadmap and there are apps yes there are apps here in the states but i haven't found one that's as comprehensive um a strain name for me means nothing um for instance in the strain print app they have 22 cultivars of blue dream every one of those recipes or certificates of analysis is a little different that affects different people's symptoms differently so trying to home in on exactly what works, but then having consistency to be able to access it again. So like I've been to the West Coast several times, I learned all about Vegas cannabis and California cannabis and Massachusetts cannabis. The problem is you find something that works, you can't get it in your home state. So it's such a bummer and federal, you know, descheduling, rescheduling, whatever we end up doing on a federal level is going to impact me so much because like there's a product in California called cereal milk by Canbiotics. It does wonderful things for my brain. It makes my brain function better than like so many things, but I can't access it because I'm in New York state. We need to do better with that, you know? Well, that's one big reason for uh, interstate commerce, I guess. Yes. Uh, you know, there's been, 
there's many reasons against it. You know, if you talk to different people in the industry, but I, I never looked at it this way, never had to. Um, but to see your perspective on it and someone in your position, wow, it's a, it's a big case for national legalization. Um, thank you for joining me. Sure, happy to. And if you want to learn more about my story, feel free to follow me on NikkiAndThePlant.org uh, or you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And I also have a YouTube channel, Nikki and the Plant. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.